Hi everybody, thank you so much for checking out our podcast. If you'd like to know more about us or connect with us, then please do go to our church website and we would love to get to know you some more. Here's today's message. We hope it blesses you, encourages and inspires you. Well, we're now going to spend some time looking at God's Word together. And if you've been with, joining with us over the last few weeks, we've been thinking about how do we love our neighbours. As a church, we started off thinking about God's goodness. We thought about how God's goodness joins us, is revealed to us in how he's revealed his love to us. And then now we're thinking about how that means that we can then go out and love those around us. And so uh, today we are going to be turning to Mark chapter 10 and looking at another encounter that Jesus has and thinking about what does this reveal to us about how we might love our neighbours. So if you've got your Bibles, if you'd like to turn to Mark chapter 10, uh, we'll be starting at verse 17. If you don't have your Bibles, then you can uh, hopefully find the words popping up on the screen. And uh, for all of us, um, do remember there are the sermon notes on your chairs or on the church hub um, if you want to go and use those as we look at God's word together. But but let's... uh, Before we come to listen to this, let's just pray um, that God would speak to us as we engage with his word this morning. Father God, we thank you that you are alive and active in our world, that you are revealing the goodness of your love in our lives and through your word. And so, Lord, we pray that as we look at this passage together now, that you would uh, open our eyes to see more of you, that we would encounter you afresh this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so Mark chapter 10, starting at verse 17, we're told this. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honour your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, are all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked round and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus said to them, with man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Then Peter spoke up, we have left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, 
No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, along with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Well, today is a day of hoping against the odds for me. Leeds United this afternoon need a miracle. Uh, We are placing all our hopes in Newcastle United, taking some points off Burnley, and then Leeds managing to get some points off Brentford to secure our Premiership future. At 2.30 this afternoon, pray for me. I'll be a nervous wreck uh, trying to hope that we get another year in the Premier League. Um, For Leeds United, this is a time of going all in. Um, It's go big or go down to the championship in shame. Uh, Let's see which way it works out. This sort of language of going all in, of placing all our hopes on one thing, is often um, it's probably heard in casinos more than it is in church. And uh, some of you will know that I have a little bit of history with casinos and particularly getting kicked out of them. Um, I have uh, on more than one occasion been asked to leave a casino. And these aren't just any old casinos either. These are some of like the prestigious casinos that I've had the, sh- the privilege of getting kicked out of. So, for example, the Bellagio in Las Vegas. Anyone familiar with the Bellagio? Anyone seen Ocean's Eleven? It's that casino, okay? You go in, it's Hollywood dreams, it's everything. I was in there, wandering around, minding my own business, um, and uh, I decided to have a look and see what happened at some of the tables. Uh, To put this in context, you need to be 21 to be able to gamble in America, and I was a fresh-faced, baby-faced 20-year-old at the time on a trip with some friends. And before I got anywhere near a table, this great big, huge, burly security guard said, Oi, what are you doing here? In a more American and slightly more manly voice than I can put on. And then um, he, uh, I, I said, look, sorry, I'm, not, I'm only 20. I'm, not, I'm from England, don't really know what's going on. But I just wanted to see what's happening. I'm like, oh, sorry, sir, you've got to leave. So I got kicked out for being a babyface, was basically the long and short of it. Uh, When I go to a casino, I take going big and going home to a whole new level, usually being escorted by a security guard being left as I leave the premises. Casinos, though, are a place of risk and reward. You can play the odds and hope that you come out on top. The more you put in, the greater the rewards. But the more you put in, the greater the risk if you lose. In a casino, the greatest rewards are unlocked if you go all in. And whilst gambling and going all in, whilst gambling is a terrible idea, as we look at this passage together, we see that as we follow Jesus, if we are to love God, if we're to love our neighbours, then the only way to do so is to go all in. However, unlike a casino, there is no risk with Jesus. 
When we go all in for Jesus, we can be confident that we will never lose. We will receive the great rewards that he has promised to us. But let's be honest, going all in for Jesus is also hard. Going all in means we need to sacrifice other things for him. And so this morning we're going to look a little bit at how we can live all in for Jesus and how doing so might enable us to be able to love our neighbours and to love our God as we do so. In this passage, Jesus is once again approached by a rich young man who comes to him and asks him what he needs to do in order to inherit eternal life. And Jesus responds by quoting the Ten Commandments to the young man. And the, ten, uh, and, the young, and the man confirms that he's done all these things that Jesus lists since he was very little. He hasn't murdered. Tick. He hasn't stolen. Good. He hasn't lied. Excellent. He has honored his parents. Well done. He was doing what the law asked of him. Or was he? What's really interesting in this list of commandments that Jesus lists is not the ones that he lists, but the ones that he doesn't list, the ones that he misses out. He makes no mention of putting God first over everything else in your life. He makes no mention of following idols, of not taking the Lord's name in vain, of not keeping the Sabbath and not desiring that which others have for yourself. Could it be that Jesus recognized that this young, rich man might have difficulty saying that he had truly kept all of these commandments if he listed them, as well as the five that he initially listed in the passage? Could it be that in his pursuit for wealth, uh, that money had become more important than God to this young man? Could it be that, in the name, that the name of the Lord didn't really mean that much if it meant that he could make a quick extra book? Could it mean that in his striving for success and wealth, the Sabbath and the time of intimacy and relationship with God had been cast to one side as an unnecessary inconvenience in what was an otherwise busy schedule? One thing we do know is that Jesus' next words were to highlight the one thing that this young man lacked in his pursuit of faithful living. Let's just pause there for a moment. Jesus says to this young man, one thing you lack. The young man confirmed that he'd lived up to the letter of the law. He'd done what the commandments had asked him to do, uh, or that Jesus had repeated to him since he was a little boy. And yet, there was still one thing he lacked. When it comes to Jesus, it's all well and good saying, we've been faithful here, we've been faithful there. But there is no difference between living for Jesus with 95% of our time, with 50% of our efforts, with 5% of our efforts. As far as Jesus is concerned, unless we are all in, unless we lay all our chips down on the table and hand them over to him, there will always be one thing that you lack. And let's recognize the difference and the power that just one thing can make. 
Many of you will know that before I became a church leader, as I am today, I trained to be an accountant and spent some time working in an accountancy office. And as I was preparing sets of accounts for clients, one of the jobs that I often was asked to do as an accountant was to compile a bank rec. And for some of the companies that I worked for, this meant that I got given a whole load of bank statements and I had to go through and work out what they'd been spending all their money on, typing out all the money and reconciling it back to the statements and analyzing what they'd been spending. But the problem was, having written out a year's worth of bank statements, is that just one transaction, no matter how big or small, could mean that the whole thing wouldn't work. And whether it was a little amount or a big amount, I'd be left going back through the whole rest of the job again, trying to work out the mistake that I had made. Just one mistake could make a huge amount of difference. Just lacking one transaction could make a huge difference. It doesn't matter if you're 5%, 50%, 90% into following Jesus. It doesn't matter if you're a little way off or a long way off. If we are not all in for Jesus, then we will find ourselves with one thing that we are lacking. And what we lack will impact how we love our neighbors and love those around us. Jesus is ultimately here talking to his disciples about discipleship, about what it is to follow him, what he calls, what he is calling us to do. He's getting to the heart of what faith looks like in practice. How do we love God? How do we love our neighbors? We can't wholly love our neighbors without being all in for Jesus. We need to be cautious of being cautious investors in Jesus. Jesus doesn't want us to play it safe when we live our lives for him. This young man came to Jesus and was doing the right things. He, was, he knew and was obeying the commandments that God was giving to him. He was sincere and eager to do the right thing. We're even told that Jesus saw this young man, heard the questions that was asked, and loved him. But ultimately, he wasn't all in. There was still one thing he lacked. This morning, I wonder, are we all in for Jesus? When it comes to loving God and loving others, the heart of the Christian message, are we all in? Or is there maybe one thing that we lack? Is there something that's getting in the way that's preventing us from going all in, just like the rich man in this passage who ended up walking away from Jesus rather than following him? What is it that you might be holding back? Could it be that you're holding back your time, holding back your emotions, holding back your finances, holding off or making a decision, unsure if you can truly commit. This morning, will you look at the hand that you've been dealt in life and say today, Jesus, this morning I'm going all in and I'm going to live my life for you. Going all in for Jesus is a great decision, but it's a difficult one. It requires and involves 
us making sacrifices. It involves us letting go of what we want to hold on to and giving it over to Jesus instead. Ultimately, this is what the, is what the rich young man who came to Jesus found to be one step too far. He may have not murdered. He was unable, but he was unable to put God above his money. He may have honored his mother and his father, but he, was sti- but he wanted to still have the same nice things that he saw others enjoying around him more than he wanted to follow God. He may not have stolen or lied, but there was still one idol that he just couldn't lay down, and that was his money. As the man moves away from Jesus, sad because he couldn't let go of the riches of his wealth, Jesus teaches the crowd about the challenges of being, uh, of being rich and following him. Now let me just be clear, there's nothing wrong with having money. Money is what we live by, that's okay. Compared to many in the world though, we are amongst the richest um, in our world, even if we're not as rich and would consider ourselves the poorest in uh, this room this morning. But where we find trouble is where we are being able, where we, where we put our money ahead of Jesus. And a clear sign of putting our money ahead of Jesus is not being willing to let go of our money when Jesus asks us to. Ultimately, we have to ask ourselves, is it that is driving our lives? Is it my money? Is it my possessions? Or am I willing to sacrifice all that I have for the one who is more precious to me than anything the world has ever known? In Matthew 13, Jesus tells his disciples two parables that I just think are wonderful parables, and I'm sure at some point we'll look at together on our Sunday in detail. But the first one, he says, is this. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all that he had and brought the field. And then he carried on again to say, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. When we see the value of Jesus, when we see the joy and the beauty of his kingdom, it is natural to sacrifice all that we have to experience it, to own it, to see the value and the joy of it for ourselves. As we love our neighbours, as we want to see the kingdom of God established here amongst us and around us, and in the lives of those that we are serving, the kingdom of God we need to recognise is not cheap. It will, to see the kingdom of God established, it will cost us. There might be things that we cannot do instead because we've decided we're committed to serving Jesus and to seeing his kingdom established here. We might need to let go of some of our own wealth that the kingdom of God might be established in the lives of those around us. 
in my previous church, there were some wonderful people, just as there are here in this church. In fact, they're all wonderful people, not just some. They're all wonderful people, as you all are here. Um, but before I joined the church, around 10 years previously, the church had undertaken a huge building project uh, with the aim of renovating their premises to serve the local community. And I remember chatting to one lady of the church who had been a part of the church during that period as they'd undertaken this huge project. And um, she told me how during this time, the church was challenged not just to give a tenth of their income or just the usual giving, but to give twice their giving. So if they gave 10%, they were encouraging to give 20%. If they were giving 20%, well, why not give 40%? If you're giving 5%, give 5%. If you're giving a fiver, give a tenner. The church was challenged to double their giving in order to be able to support the ministry of the church as they sought to love their neighbours around them. This lady that I was speaking to was by no means one of the wealthiest members of the church. She was not uh, one of the richest with lots of cash to share. She shared the story of, and as she shared this story of the building project with me, she told me how she, over that period of time, used to regularly eat cans of baked beans for dinner because they were the cheapest meal that she could find as she sacrificially gave to love her neighbours, to support the kingdom of God in that place. That lady and many others like her made that building project possible. They felt the cost of sacrifice, but they gave anyway. And why did they give? not because there was anything in them, not because they had a particularly fond thing of eating baked beans for dinner, but because they wanted to give so that the kingdom of God might be advanced, that his church might grow in that place, that they might love and serve their neighbours and those around them. To sacrifice like this takes faith. And Jesus goes on to explain the difference between rich men and children in this passage. And he encourages the disciples to have faith like children. Rich men see business decisions, whereas children see obedience to their father. Rich men see power and authority, whilst children see humility and submission. Rich men see what they can get out of it, whilst children just want to love and please their father. Being all in to the point of sacrifice requires trust. It requires us to love and trust God above any other. So if you are to be all in, loving God and loving others, if you want to love your neighbours, how can you be all in? How can you love your neighbours? Not just with kind words, not with just what you've got left over at the end of the month, but what can you lay down and sacrifice that you might see the kingdom of God revealed in your life, in their lives. Jesus tells us that we can't love God and money. We can't love God and whatever else it might be, but he's focusing on money in this passage. So what is the main motivator of our hearts today? What do you love the most? Is Jesus and his kingdom, his mission, 
Are they your true priority? Or might something else be taking that rightful place? Sacrifice requires us to trust God. So what do you trust? Do you have an empty bank balance and continue to trust that God will provide? Or is our trust in our cash more greater than it is in our God? These are difficult and challenging questions. Questions that again show us that loving our neighbor, truly loving our neighbor is more than just a nice conceptual idea. It means being all in, wholeheartedly committed to Jesus, committed to his cause, committed to revealing his kingdom to all those around us. So let's love our neighbors, not just with our words, but not even just with our money. But let's be willing to sacrifice as a sign of our love for them and a sign of our faith and our love for Jesus who has sacrificed and given so much for us as we'll be remembering in a few moments' time. But going all in, sacrificing for Jesus, albeit hard, is worth it in the long run. Because Jesus tells us that when we go all in for him, we will never be disappointed. The rewards far outweigh the sacrifice. I love how Peter bursts out in commitment to Jesus in verse 28, blurting out, but Lord, we've left everything to follow you. But even more wonderful is Jesus' encouragement to those who are left saying that those who've left family, friends, livelihoods, along with those who face persecutions, they will never go disappointed. They will receive 100 times in the age to come. Going all in for Jesus is a sure investment. Sacrificially loving God and loving our neighbors is a sure investment not because of any reward that we will see in this life. Jesus doesn't deny that there will be costs, that there will be challenges, that we will miss out on things. But the blessing will come as God's kingdom is established here on earth as it is in heaven. Casinos are places of high risk and high reward. But, when, but what a great reward we already have today in Jesus as we put our hope and our faith in him. We have no need to risk and to gamble because our reward is firm and secure, something that we can all hold on to with confidence today as we, as we will again remember as we share communion together. When we go all in for Jesus, we can do so confidently because we know that Jesus has the victory. Nothing can ever defeat him. Nothing can ever overcome him. All of heaven and earth belongs to him. And as we go all in and live our lives for him, we will never be left disappointed. Let's pray together. Father God, we praise you this morning for the blessing and the rewards that we have from knowing your love for us, that Jesus came and gave his all for us that we might find life. And so, Lord, we pray for your forgiveness. 
we recognize those areas in our lives where we fail to do what is expected of us, where there is one thing that we lack, where we put other things ahead of our faith and our trust in you. Lord, we pray that you would help us to see the true wonder and the value of who you are, that we would see those precious pearls and find joy in the, in the pearl of your kingdom uh, being revealed amongst us. And Lord, we pray that we would, there would be nothing that we lack as we continue to pursue and follow you, as we worship you as our Lord and our God, and as we seek to love our neighbours as you have loved us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.